Well, you guys, um, the reason we're doing this series is back in the spring, um, one of my wife's uh, dearest friends told her that she was having a dream about me. So how many of you guys' spouses have friends who have dreams about you? Kind of a weird deal, but she had a dream that I walked into a room and I was frantically searching for something, and everybody in the room had it, and they were keeping me from getting it. And the more they kept it from me, the more frantic I got to the point where I was getting extremely frustrated to the point where I was angry and I could not find what I was looking for. And she sat there the whole time watching this in the dream and she was thinking, what does Dave need so bad? And eventually I got so frustrated, I walked out the door and I slammed the door and I left. And the person holding it said, all right, he's gone, let's hide it in the closet. And when they pulled it out, she could finally see what it was and it was a package of hot dog buns. And so um, my, and she, and then she just woke up from the dream. So she called my wife and said, that's really weird. And I have no idea what that's all about. And Susie said, well, have you prayed about it? And uh, this gal is a real dear friend and a strong believer in Christ. We really trust her. So the next week she decided, well, let's pray about this. And so as she, she did, she sat and she sat before God and she said, Lord, is there anything that you want me to understand about this package of hot dog buns? And as she did, she felt like God really impressed on her strongly. The hot dog buns represent happiness. And the Dave is pursuing frantically to be happy. And so uh, Susie told me that that was what the dream was. And I was like, that's weird. How many of you want to be happy? Okay. (laughs) I mean, is that so wrong, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, But I was on a sabbatical this summer. And I was gone uh, to really pull out of here, pull out of the daily grind, dive down deep into my soul. And what happened during that time, you guys, is what I want to share with you for the next four weeks here at K2. Um, Because I feel like God dove deep into my soul and helped me to reveal some things about, I think, human nature as a whole, and definitely my nature, about this frantic search that we're on to be happy. And to find our life be fulfilled. And what we want to do is engage with God on that. So here's what I'd like for you to do. There's a a white card sitting on your chair. It's going to be really important here in the service. If you would take one of those white cards and begin to write on it the things that you chase after to make you happy. Because we all do. That's just what we do. We pursue things. We make decisions. We revolve our life around things that we think are going to make us happy. And for you to get the most out of this day... It'll be best if you can actually take a minute right now and just think about what is it that you believe is going to make you happy? What is it that you're chasing after, that you're pursuing, that you're giving your life to, to get? Maybe flip it around. Here's a different way you can look at it. What is it that if all of a sudden it was gone, you would not be happy? If this thing in your life right now was gone, you lose that sense of contentment and happiness and peace deep downside. Okay? So I want you to just go ahead and take a minute. You guys can write that down. While you're doing that, uh, uh, how many of you guys like Snicker bars? Anybody like Snicker bars? All right, who wants a Snicker bar? All right, sweet. We're all Snicker lovers. Here we go. Raining from heaven. Here you go. Our, our connections team here has got some for you in the back. Oh, yeah, they want them bad. All right. Here you go. One back there. All right, that's it. All right. Now, you guys all know, right, today we're looking at uh, the title of today's message is Satisfy Your Hunger. What's been Snickers, which, by the way, is the best candy bar there is. What is Snickers' little tag phrase? It satisfies your hunger. Snickers, it satisfies. 
But have you, do you guys love the Snickers, Snickers commercials that are out right now? You guys know the ones I'm talking about where all of a sudden somebody turns into a completely different person? Have you seen those? They're so hilarious. I mean, it'll be this, I, the one I just, uh, that's out right now. Is it Joe Pesky? Is that how you say his name? Pesky, yeah. Who all of a sudden, you know, he, he, they're, they're totally reaming these young girls and stuff. And then he finally says, dude, you're, you're out of control. You're hungry. You need to take a Snickers. He bites a Snickers and he turns back into himself. And then they walk back out and the, one of the young girls has turned into Don Rickles. <laughs> How many of you guys even know who Don Rickles is? <laughs> He's showing your age. All right, good. So anyway, but it's this whole, now here's the new tag phrase. I don't know if you guys, the new tag phrase for this, this kind of line of commercials is this. You're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. And so the whole point is, if you're not being satisfied, if you're not being filled up, you turn into something that you don't want to be. And you're not you if you're hungry. That's what I want to tell you today. I, want to, I, I thank you to Snickers. They've, they've given us our message for today. You're not you when you're hungry. Because here's the deal, you guys. We all have needs. And they're legitimate needs. And even hunger is a legitimate need. To hunger and to thirst, all it's doing is telling you, I need food and I need water. And there's no shame in needing water or needing food. So hunger is not a bad thing. We have legitimate needs. We have needs as a human being. Let's go into our heart here. We have needs to be accepted. We have needs to belong. We have needs for approval and significance to know that we matter as human beings. We have needs of value and worth and security. And ultimately, really, the greatest need is we have a need for love. Every one of us does. And so what happens is we develop expectations. And all of us have. We're all in the same boat together. We develop expectations of who or what should meet those needs and how they should be met. Because I need these things. I need to know. I matter. I need to know that I'm loved. You're the one, and then we did say, you're the one who's going to give those to me. But here's the other thing, you guys. We can also develop needs inside of us that aren't really needs. And sometimes what we call blessings <laughs> turn into needs. I have to have these things. And all through this next month, one of the things I'm going to bring up over and over and over again, kind of a core truth that's hit me is this. The greatest desire or craving of the human heart is not for blessings, but it's to love. The greatest desire of the human heart is not for blessings, but it's to love. And so we have these needs and we have expectations. I need you to meet these needs. Now, when those legitimate needs start to get justified, like you can look at a father or you can look at a mother or you can look at your spouse or you can look at a word, it doesn't matter. When those start to become justified, then we begin to demand them. Hey, you, this is your job. You better do this for me because you're the one who's supposed to meet my needs. We start to say, I deserve this. And then what happens is you develop dependencies on those people. But it's not only people. It can be activities. It can be things. There are certain stuff that you're involved in. It could be your work. It could be lots of different things that you just say, this my job or my success or my prestige or my position. You start to develop dependencies on those because those things or those people are the one that you say and demand, you better meet my needs. And then what happens 
is when they're not met, all of a sudden there's a crisis. There's a crisis of trust that begins to happen between you and whatever it is or whoever it is that's supposed to meet your needs. And then, you know what we do? When that happens, when all of a sudden the need, legitimate need, does not start to be met by the one that we believe is supposed to do that for me, then we start to control things. Because I can't trust you anymore to do this, so I'm going to control and I'm going to manipulate. How many of you are manipulators? Okay, now everybody raise your hand. Everybody is a manipulator. Because I have needs that I'm expecting different things or people to meet. And so our relationships, when you start manipulating, they go into crisis. I'm going to share with you an illustration, you guys, that's changed my life. All right? And it's this. <clears throat> How many of you guys know the, the good old deep sea diver? You guys remember? The, the, can you picture that? The guy that had the big, huge tank over his head, right? And then he would jump in the water and there'd be a hose that would come into the head and the hose would go all the way up into the boat, right? Okay. So when he trusts that that air source, right, is going to come down through that hose and meet his need, that's what he does. When he jumps in the water, he trusts that that's going to happen. Now, if he goes down into the depths, and uh, uh, I think we need air, you know, that would be a legitimate need, and he's down in the depths, if all of a sudden the hose gets kinked or it gets disconnected or whoever's up in the boat decides to play a trick and cut off the air, what does the person under the water do? He panics! Really? Seriously? And as soon as you realize, I'm not getting what I need to live, he's going to drop everything, and he's going to do whatever it takes. Because he needs that to live. See, that is the picture right there. If there's a kink, you'll drop everything. See, and so as human beings, we have needs to know that I matter, that I'm valuable, that I'm worth something, and most ultimately we have a need for love and to be loved. And here's the deal. We all have, and you wrote them down on your paper, you all have things that are in your boat. And you are absolutely dependent upon them right now. For some of you, it is, it's your spouse. For some of you, it's your relationship with your kids. For some of you, it's your job or a certain status in a job or having finances. Or it can be your looks or your appearances. It can be money and possessions. It can be all these things. I don't know what it is. But what happens is all of a sudden, if one of those things doesn't work anymore, if one of those things leaves, if one of those things starts to not be what you need it to be or working the way that you want it to work, then it literally feels like the guy down deep sea diving who now is not getting because this is what makes me know that I matter. And you know what you do? We panic and we start to control and we start to manipulate. Now here's the deal. Everything you wrote on your sheet, the list, I could give you a long list. There's, there's a million different things that we look to for us to find our life. Here's what's true about every one of them. They're all outside of you. They can all be gone tomorrow. And none of them can be controlled. Go ahead and look at your card. I bet you any money, what you put down on that card is outside of you, 
It could be gone tomorrow and it can't be controlled. And yet, that's what we live for and trust in and hope in to make us happy and be fulfilled. So here's what has to happen. We need something that's not outside of us, but something that's within us. We need something that is continuous and can't be cut off. And we need something that we don't control, but that we completely trust in. That's what we need. So, what does Jesus Christ say about this unbelievable hunger and desire within every human being that we thirst for, that we crave for in our soul? And what does God want to say to you this morning about chasing after hot dog buns, trying to find things that are going to make you happy and make you fulfilled in this life? And uh, before I jump into a passage I want to walk us through, we need to pray, okay? So let me pray for you and open up, and this is your chance as well, just to go ahead and open up your heart and be willing to hear from God. Father, I'm just going to ask right now that you would just come and use your word to us. May it truly be alive and active. I say this every week, but it's true that you know every heart in this room. You know what they're chasing after. You know how good that thing they're chasing after is working or not. You know how satisfied we are or how hungry we are. So Lord, as I speak your word, my prayer is that you, through your spirit, would speak to every person who's in this room. And may you love us today. May you set us free today to really pursue the life that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I don't know if anybody knows, but um, when Jesus was here on the planet, and he taught lots of things, but it was kind of all under this umbrella of one main message that Jesus Christ had. Anybody know what that message was? He would come out and he would say, repent, because the kingdom of God is here. (laughs) Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. Now, repent, what that means is you're going in this direction and you need to turn around and you need to start going this direction. You literally need to reorient your, right, your life. So when Jesus Christ came down, this guy that we all, that most of us in this room worship, that the others of you are maybe seeking after or wondering about, that pretty much the whole world admires, what he said was, listen, I'm coming and I'm going to bring to you a way of life that is so completely different than what you're living. And the only way you're going to be able to enter into this is you're going to have to totally reorient the way that you think. And you're going to have to turn. You're going to have to repent because there's a kingdom of God that's at hand. There's a way of life, and this is true for us today. There is a way of life that is in God. It's through God. It's with God. And it's for God. And there's a way of life that is separate from God not in line with God, independent of God, and therefore void of God. (laughs) And most of us choose that second path, naturally. And that's why Jesus says, let's turn. And so there's a story where he showed up to this woman and uh, that I want to take you through. If you have your Bibles, it's going to be in John chapter 4. You can open that up and and read along with me as I I go through this. And it starts off in John chapter 4, and it says, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Well, The reality is he didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, most Jewish people made sure they never went through Samaria, okay? 
Jews didn't hang out with Samaritans. You talk about racial conflict, it was huge in that day. You just didn't do it. But I love the Bible says, no, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Why? I think the reason he had to go through Samaria is because there was this woman that he wanted to hang out with for an afternoon. And in John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. And I'm a Samaritan woman. (laughs) That's the other thing. Men don't talk to women and Jews don't talk to Samaritans. How can you ask me for a drink for Jews don't associate with Samaritans? And I just want to start off by saying that one of the greatest things that you see in Jesus Christ is he loved to associate with people that he wasn't supposed to. So if you're here today, I just want to, before I jump in, if you're here today and you feel like I am a person that probably God wants nothing to do with, you know what's so cool? You're exactly the person (laughs) that he wants to hang out with. And that's what the scripture says all the time. The only people that he really had a hard time were the religious snobs, okay? So it's good news. Then in verse, chapter four, verse 10, Jesus replied to her and he said this, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. See, when he, when he hung out with a woman, he said, hey, would you give me something to drink? And, and she's like, well, why are you associating with me? You shouldn't do that. And he goes, oh, you know what? If you only knew a couple things, if you knew the gift that God wanted to give you, and if you knew who I was, you'd ask me. And I just, you guys, right here, the first thing I want us to understand is the two things that we need to know. God has a gift for you. And it is so good. And you guys know things about gifts, right? What do you have to do to earn a gift? Anybody? Nothing. If you earn it, it's a wage. But if it's a gift, it's something freely that God wants to give to you. And I'm telling you right now, on this day, October 2nd of 2011, God has a gift that he wants to give you. He really does. And Jesus says, oh, and if you knew what that gift was? And then he goes, and if you knew who I was, the fact that I can give it to you, man, you'd ask me. And then I, saw, I love what he says. And you know what? And I'd give it to you. I'd give it to you. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So here's the deal. As we sit here and we think about this, like who's in your boat and maybe should God possibly be in that boat? One of the things we need to understand about God is he has a gift and he wants to give it to you and we need to believe that he exists. We need to know who he is and we have to believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. And Jesus just says, oh, if you knew the gift, you would ask me. So then she goes on and she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides that, you don't think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well. How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Okay, here's, follow this. So Jesus is so going to meet this woman at the deepest part of her being, like I hope he meets you today. But what we do is Jesus, God, wants to speak to our hearts, and we respond like this woman. Yeah, but you don't have a rope or a bucket. And Jesus, I just, I, oh, I wish I could be in his heart and his mind. He must have just been loving this conversation. But I think he says the same things to you because what we say to God is we go, wait a second, God, for me to find this living water, you, you need a rope and a bucket. Man, you need a good job. 
And you need to be married. And you need to have good health. And you need to have a whole lot of stuff. And you need to have things go the way that you want them to. And God, I don't see you with a rope and a bucket. I don't see you offering a job and a person. and a, you know, Wait a second, what's up with that? You don't have what we use to get living water. You guys following that? She's like, I use rope and bucket. What are you going to use? And, 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 and we do the same thing. And then she goes on and she says, besides that, even if you did have a rope and a bucket, you think your water's better? Do you actually think you're greater? Okay, Jesus, speak to our hearts right now. Listen to this. Every one of us in this room says the exact same thing to Jesus every day. Jesus, you think that what you could give me is better than my job? You think what you could give me is better than being married as a single person or getting my marriage all together? You think that what you have is greater than what I can muster up? Because look at what a great job I'm doing with my life. Now, here's the reality. Some of you literally today, right now, your life rocks. It's really good. And that's why it's kind of hard to even think about God because God might mess that up. And seriously, I think what I've got is greater. So you, besides that, you think, God, that what you could give me is greater than what I've come up with. Now, some of you are going, God, I hope he has something greater. Because what I've done so far ain't that great. And I'm trying as hard as I can. So they go on and Jesus answers her and he says this, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Speaking of, indeed, The water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. You think you have something greater, God? I know I do. Jesus says, I know I do. I have living water for you. Well, what is that, you guys? What is this gift where he says, if you knew the gift, oh, you'd ask for it. What is this living water? that he gives is apparently better than anything she could get. Luke eleven thirteen says this. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids. And don't we all? I mean, I try all the time to give good gifts to my kids. And I'm screwed up, is what he's saying. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Oh, if you knew the gift, you'd ask. What's the gift? The gift is me. The gift is me. The gift is my presence in perfection and fullness and wholeness and in love in you. John 7, 37 and 39 says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Anybody searching after hot dog buns? Anybody trying to be happy? Anybody want a full life? If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. What is the stream of living water? Not the swamp of a reservoir that sits in itself. It's the gift. It's the water. It's a living presence of God in your life. And Jesus said, oh man, if you knew what you could be having, if you knew that you didn't have to live another moment of another day ever without me, And I am good. If you knew that, you'd ask me. And you know what? If you asked, I'd give it to you. 
And he's saying that to every one of you today. And he's saying it to me every day. All you believers in Christ out there who are still searching after hot dog buns like I, he's looking at me and saying, David, ask me and I will satisfy you unlike anything else in this world can. Now you can have what you were created for. So let's go back to the Snickers bar. What does Snickers tell us? You're not you when you're hungry. You're not you when you're hungry. So here's God and he's saying, hey, if you're hungry, in other words, you're not you. You're messing everything up. You're angry. You're frustrated. You're depressed. You're lonely. You're empty. You're, 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 you're manipulating and you're controlling and you're messing up all your relationships and you're chasing after stuff and it's, everything's falling apart. That person, which every one of us can tend to be, he says, you're not you. When you're hungry, God did not create you to live that type of life. That's not what we were created for. We were created to be in a relationship with God. So let me flip it around. The flip side of the Snickers commercial is this. You are you when you're satisfied. Isn't that what happens in the commercial? The dude eats a Snickers bar and he turns into back who he originally was. Oh, good. And what God was saying is, I originally intended for you, the reason you're here is to be in relationship with me. And as long as you're separate from me, you're going to look to all these other things. You're going to look to your spouse and you're going to drive her nuts. And you're going to look at your husband and you're going to demand so much from him. And you're going to look at your job and your job can't satisfy and your kids are bugging you and your life is just a mess. And so then what we do, if you're like me, then you go to all the illegitimate things to make you feel better. How's that working for you, right? It's just, and so God says, listen, you're you when you're satisfied. And I'm the one who satisfies you. And if you knew how much I'd satisfy you, you'd ask me, and if you'd ask me, I'd give it to you. So the conversation goes on, and the woman says to him, well, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming down here to draw water. Do you guys see this? You're still not getting it? She's mad. You, me, seriously? You give me water? I don't have to come down here anymore? This is a long road, and it's heavy, right? He goes on, and, and listen to this. Give me this water so I don't have to come down here to draw anymore. And he told her, and this is where I love Jesus. Look at his answer. Go call your husband and come back. Can I, can I, seriously, if you're her and you're going, hey, tell me about this water so I don't have to come down here and get it anymore. Um, hey, go get your husband. What's that have to do with anything, right? And then he goes on and he says, she says, I have no husband. And she replied, and Jesus said, well, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. See, Jesus was trying to get to her heart. And so she says, give me this living water that'll satisfy me. Okay, bring your husband. What? Well, see, because you drank the first guy, and then you drank the second guy, you drank the third guy, and the fourth, and the fifth guy, and now you're drinking a sixth guy. And how's that working for you? You don't want to come down here to drink any more water? You don't want to have to go to a man over and over again to see if this dude will satisfy you? You don't want to get tired with this job and have to look for another job and then maybe get this job or maybe make this much money or maybe finally get my kids together or finally do the right thing so my spouse will respond the way that I want her to. You don't want to try that over and over and over and over again? 
See what he's saying to her? See what he's saying to you? See what he was saying to me all summer? Nelson, you're chasing after hot dog buns. You're chasing after these things that aren't meant to satisfy you. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But I'm telling you, man, when you have to keep getting men's attentions and keep getting the drink and keep getting everyone to like you and keep being successful and keep being healthy and keep and keep and keep. Are you kidding me? I don't have to come down here and draw water anymore? No. Ask and I'll give you what you were created for and you'll finally be you. You guys, Jesus Christ came to set you free. How? How do I get God in that boat then? Instead of all these other things I'm looking to to be my source. John 4, he says, A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship with the Father in spirit and truth. For they're the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. So you guys, the, the reality of every human being is that we all worship something. And usually what we do is we worship whatever we believe is going to give us life. Whatever we believe is going to be happy, make us happy, we worship that, which means what? We literally center our life around it. We give all our time to it. We give all our mental energy to it. We give all our resources to it. We, our, we make our final decisions based on whether that thing will actually be what, you know, if you guys, you guys see what I'm saying? Don't you do that? So think about that. What do you make your final decisions to? Literally, what do you bow to and say, I have to have that in my life? And so Jesus comes on and says, here's the deal. There's going to be true worshipers who will worship. They're the kind my father seeks. And they worship in spirit and truth. So how do we get God in the boat? The first thing you guys, you got to do is this. Is I, if he's not in your boat, then you need to just, you've got to confess that to God. Now, basically, if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, and you've never put him in your boat. You've never said, you know what, God? I confess to you. I've been seeking after everything. I've never worshiped you ever in my life. I've thought about you. I've been to church. I maybe did these good things, but I've never actually asked you to come in here and be the one that I center my life around. See, what God is saying is as long as you keep pursuing all these other things, you know why God said you shall have no other gods before you? Because he knows if you put other gods before you, every one of them is going to let you down. Every one of them can be gone tomorrow. Every one of them can thwart you. And he says, you were not created to be thwarted over and over and over again. So you shall have no other gods before me. And so basically, where it all starts, you guys, for me, where it started this summer, okay, so well, let me go back. If you're not a Christian, the first point would say, Jesus, you know what? I have, man, I, I hear you. I hear you. And I want you in my boat. Now, for all of you who are Christians and Jesus is in your boat, one of the things you got to do is you got to confess when you're taking them out, you know, kind of taking the hose and going, hey, let's try her instead. Or let's try that instead. And we literally, what I realized this summer is he started showing me all the things that I depend on for my deep security, for my significance, for my joy, and my fullness. And when they're not God, life can get really disappointing. So we need to confess, you guys. And then secondly, we need to do what Jesus said. He says you got to repent, which means you literally have to reorient your life. When I came back this summer, 
there were certain things that I had to completely change. And some of you guys have to do that. You just, you know, right now you're pursuing hardcore after things you need to change. And you know what's cool? Not only the big things, I got all month to talk about this, which I, I know I need to move on here, but not just the big things. I'm hearing him every day now. See, because you know what happens? When I get frustrated, when I get angry, when my emotions rise up, and all of a sudden I get fr- uh, anxious, or I want to go to some illegitimate source of comfort or pleasure, you know what I finally realize? He, he, uh, Nelson, something else is in your boat. Something else is in your boat. And then as soon as I go, okay, yeah, right, okay, what's in my boat? Why am I feeling this? Why do I want this? Why am I moving? I, I go through the process, and then as soon as I realize what it is I'm trying to suck the air into, I confess it to him right then, right there, and repent and turn and go back to God. And then um, one of the things the guy that I learned this from said, what you have to do is some of you have to fire somebody. <laughs> and basically what that means is some of you have people in your boat and you've got to fire them as your God. I've told you this a million times. This woman rocks as my wife. She's a lousy God. She was never intended to be my God. And so, but some of you literally say, if you don't do this, if you, and you've got that person in the boat, the first thing you need to do today is give them a letter of resignation <laughs> and say, you're done. I'm actually going to make you my husband and not my God. I'm going to actually make you my child and not my God. I'm going to stop demanding that you be my source of life and I'm going to let him be my source of life. And some of you need to resign from being in the boat because some of you are in the boat and you, you're sucking the life out of somebody else and the pressure for you is huge because you're trying to be everything everybody else needs you to be. Do them a favor. Quit. Resign. Hop out of the boat. And let them get their hose connected to God. And then the last thing, you guys, is we just got to get to a point where we can actually trust him. And this is what every time I, I go to something else, the reason I go to something else is because I don't trust God. Would you, be, would you be honest with yourself again right here and be like the woman at the well and says, you really think you got something greater? We don't trust God with our life. So how do I trust him? Well, you worship in truth. I'm telling you, man, when God feels wacky to me, which is so much of the time, when he makes no sense to me, when my life is falling apart around me, and I wonder how come God doesn't love me, I have to go back to what he has revealed is true about himself. And you've got to hold on to what is true, as Jesus said. He who holds on to my teachings is really my disciple. Then you know the truth, and it sets you free. See, what happens is you place on God when things don't go well, you're like, oh man, God doesn't love me. You don't do that. I did that. That's what I was doing this last year. Because when things don't go well, if I'm chasing after hot dog buns and I need my life to work and it's not working, then God, you must not love me. Is that true? No, it's not true, but it sure feels true, doesn't it? See, so how do you trust him? You got to go back to what he says and not what you feel. You got to go what is true about the nature of God and not true about the circumstances of life. Man, get into this thing. Get in Life Together groups. Join Discovering K2. Come here every Sunday morning and ground yourself in the truth. True worshipers worship in truth and not on how you feel, all right? And then the last thing I got to say and then I got to run is this, is give thanks. Give thanks. You know, Susie is not 
Well, I like to put her there, but she's not supposed to be in my boat. But you know what she is? She's an awesome hose. She's my hoser. (laughs) What does that mean? That means God, who loves me and knows what I need, uses her. See, God has, he has lots of hoses and lots of ways that he wants to love you. And what's weird, he uses people, activities, and things to do that. But see, what you got to realize, and when you give thanks, you go, man, God, thank you for my wife. Thank you, the one who loves me for her. Thank you for my mom. That was a huge one for me this summer. My mom was a rocking hose. But I had actually put my mom's love in the boat. It was screwing me up. Because when she died, it was gone. Now what do I do? That, That source of love isn't there. Yes, it is, because it was coming from God. He just used her. And now he'll use this, and then he'll use that. And here's the other thing you can do, is we're all goofy, right? So sometimes we're not real good hoses, right? And you get all kinked up, and wait, you need to be a hose for me. And they're all kinked up, and you can go, oh, you're not doing what I need you to do. See, then you go, that's okay, God's got other hoses. He's got other hoses. Who's in your boat? Are they a hose, or are they in the boat? Get God in the boat, let everybody else be what he wants them to be, and then you can go. You guys got it? So band, come on out. Here's what we need you to do. It's a paddle boat, but it's a boat. And when this band comes up here and begins to worship you guys, I want to give you the opportunity right now to take what you've got in your hand in that white card that you've been putting in the boat. And if you're ready today to transfer them out of the boat and put God in the boat, we want you to walk up here and put that card in here and say, you're done. You are done. I fire you from being in my boat and transfer it over and let God be in your boat. And if you're ready to receive Christ for the first time, give it to him today. Go ahead and say, man, Lord, come in. Be my source of life. And if it's somebody else, if you need to do that, just whatever. And we got an amazing worship set to take you on a journey right now with God. You engage with him, worship him, confess your sins to him, confess all the things you've been chasing after, and let him get in your boat. Let's do that now.